Next month, the Novel Marketing Podcast will turn 10 years old. What do you think we should do to celebrate a decade of novel marketing? Seriously, let me know in the comments or shoot me an email. I don't have any really good ideas, (laughs) but I will say... Over the last 10 years of hosting this podcast, we've interviewed a lot of successful authors to hear their stories. And a key inflection point of many of their journeys is attending a writer's conference. For some, that's where they got their big break. For others, it's where they transitioned from hobbyist to professional. For others, it was when they met a key friend who changed everything. Or for some, a conference is where they found their agent or learned how to go indie. And for others, a conference is where they learned that one thing that got them unstuck. You probably already know that writers' conferences are important and you know that you should attend one. But there's a problem. What kind of conference should you look for? (laughs) There are hundreds of writers' conferences out there and they fit into seven different categories or seven different buckets. And each kind of conference, each bucket is very different from the others. And while all of these conferences are helpful to one degree or another, some can be a waste of time for you right now. The key is to identify the right kind of conference for you and your career and what will help you with your next step. So what are the seven kinds of writers conferences and how do you determine which one is the best fit for you right now? We'll find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. So the first kind of writer's conference is something I'll call a local meetup. It's what makes these special. Typically, it's a monthly meeting and it's attached to an organization. So there'll be some group of authors, sometimes around a certain genre, but other times just around a certain area. And they will meet once a month and they typically will have guest speakers and the group meetings range from between 12 and 100 people. And I'll say I zoom into a lot of these kinds of events. They'll ask me to give a talk and I say, sorry, I don't travel to speak. And they say, well, you zoom. And so I say, yes. And so I'm the big head up on the screen (laughs) and they'll have, you know, snacks and announcements and other events around my presentation. So the pros of these local meetings is that they're cheap. They're probably the cheapest of all of these options, one, because you don't have to travel, you don't have to pay for lodging, and the cost isn't very high. They're easy to attend. They have a great sense of community because you're interacting with the same writers every month. And it's a good place uh, to find a writer's group or a critique group. And I should say, a local meetup style event is not the same as a critique group. Critique groups are smaller. So a critique group 12 is the absolute maximum. And most critique groups are better around four to eight, I would say. But if you're trying to find people for your critique group in your area, going to your local meetup is a great place to start building that group. So what are the cons of a local meetup? Well, they're tricky to find and you may not have one in your area. Guest speaker quality also tends to be kind of hit and miss. It really depends on the group and how much work the group organizers put into booking and finding speakers and how big the group organizers personal network is. How many good speakers do they know and can convince to come and speak? 
Another con of local meetups is that you don't get a lot of opportunities to connect with agents or editors. If you're hoping to go traditionally published, a local meetup isn't really the place to make those key connections. You're mostly networking with other fellow authors in your local area. And I will say one talk a month is a slow way up the learning curve. So while some conferences feel like drinking from a fire hydrant, a local meetup is like sipping from a straw. Bottom line, I recommend that you start with a local meetup before anything else. If you have one in your area, absolutely join it. The cost is so low and the benefits are so high. You really owe it to yourself to check it out. And if you don't have one in your area, I have a guide on how to start one. I'm a really big believer in in in-person, real-life gatherings of authors. The second kind of writer's event is a multi-track conference. So what makes a multi-track conference special? Well, I would say this is the default kind of conference. When people say writer's conference, this is typically what they mean. The speakers at multi-track conferences tend to be mid-list authors, agents, and editors. There's a focus on education over actions. This isn't a place where you come and do work. This is a place where you come and learn. And there are lots of tracks. So what makes a multi-track conference a multi-track conference is that there's a lot of different rooms with a lot of things happening simultaneously. So there's a room for beginners. There's a room for novelists. There's a room for nonfiction. There's a room for marketing. Maybe there's a room for teenagers. Maybe there's a room for indie authors. Maybe there's a room for nerds, right? Like some of these conferences will have a dozen tracks all running simultaneously. So what are the pros of a multi-track conference? Well, there's a great selection of speakers. There's a little bit of everything. It likely has that one class that you're looking for. So if you want a class on how to write picture books for toddlers, there's probably somebody teaching that class at the conference. It's one of the hundreds of options that you'll be presented with. And multi-track conferences can be good for making connections, especially with agents and editors if you plan to go traditional. Agents and editors are there to meet authors, and in between taking pitches, they are teaching classes. So what are the cons of a multi-track conference? Well, they tend to be expensive, they tend to be long, and there are an overwhelming number of simultaneous workshops. Phrases you'll typically hear from people at a multi-track conference is that it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, or it feels like a three-ring circus, or I have conference brain. So they're very overwhelming. It often takes days to physically and emotionally recover from these kinds of conferences. I went to one that had early bird sessions starting at like 7 or 8 in the morning and night owl sessions going to eight, nine, or maybe 10 o'clock at night. And it was just nonstop. (laughs) There's hardly even a chance to sleep. Very, very intense. Another con is that not all agents and editors are good at teaching. Just because someone's good at being an agent doesn't mean that they're good at teaching. Some agents are excellent teachers and some agents are not. They're going to teach anyway because the conference directors are booking them because the agent has a draw and they're going to ask them to teach whether they're any good at that teaching or not. So the quality of the education is kind of hit and miss based off of the quality of the agent or the editor. Although you'll still find people packing their room because they want to make friends with that agent (laughs) or they want that agent to sign them whether they're good teacher or not. Another con is that because these conferences tend to be so 
agent and editor heavy. They tend to be pretty focused on traditional publishing. They may make attempts to accommodate indie authors. They may have an indie track, but indies are often made to feel like second-class citizens at a multi-track conference. Not all, and there's a great variety of multi-track conferences, but it's kind of the nature of the beast because you have so many traditionally published authors, agents, and editors in positions of authority running these conferences. So bottom line, if you plan to traditionally publish and are looking for a literary agent and don't know any authors to introduce you to one, a multi-track conference is a great way to get unstuck and to make those connections, both with fellow authors and with literary agents. And if you can afford it, they're great. And if you're extroverted, they're paradise. (laughs) The third kind of writer's conference is something I call a big room event. So what makes this kind of conference special? Well, everyone is in one big room together. There's just one stage and there's just one speaker at a time. And the speakers tend to be best-selling authors and industry professionals. These are keynote-level talks. And like multi-track conferences, there's a focus on education over action. So you're not coming here to do things. You're coming here to learn things. So what are the pros of a big room event? Well, it's top-notch speakers because a big room event has fewer speakers. They can afford bigger speakers. So it's not uncommon. Once authors really get successful, they stop attending multi-track events as faculty because they don't pay very well. In fact, a lot of multi-track conferences don't pay anything. (laughs) They just give the speakers free admission, maybe uh, free food, maybe free lodging, but they don't pay very well. And so once an author is successful and they're making a lot of money writing their books. They don't want to teach anymore at a multi-track event, but they may be persuaded to present at a big room event because the the pay is better and the stage is bigger because the teachers are teaching to a big room full of authors rather than a small breakout session with just a handful of authors. Uh, Big room events tend to be very exciting, right? Every talk feels like a keynote. They're encouraging. You leave ready to get to work. So while you're not working at the conference, you're ready to start writing again on Monday. So they're less draining, I will say, than a multi-track conference. They fire you up for hitting the ground running with your writing. They tend to have high production values. They feel less like a circus and more like a concert with one amazing band after another. And Different big room events will have bigger and smaller stages and higher and lower production values. So there's quite a bit of variety here. Some of them are quite fancy. Some of the cons of a big room event is that there's less topic selection, right? There's just the one talk at a time. And so you can look over the conference agenda and see if it will answer your questions or not. Now, there tends to be fewer agents and editors. There still will be some, but they don't have as many. In my experience, uh, they're a little impersonal, so it's very easy for you to be in this big room full of a bunch of strangers, which makes the networking a little bit trickier, especially for shy authors, because there's just a sea of people around you all in that big room together. And a con for some of these events is that some of them 
are just a big sales pitch for some big ticket program. This isn't super common in the author world, although I have seen it, but it's very common in the coaching world. You go to a conference, it will teach you how to be a coach. And really, it's selling you on a program that will teach you how to be a coach. And there's always something more to buy. This isn't always the case, but if the price is too cheap to be true, be careful. It could be one big, long sales pitch. The fourth kind of writer's conference is a writer's workshop. So what makes a writer's workshop special? Well, they are focused interactive education. So unlike the other events we've talked about so far, writer's workshops have a balance between action and education. You will learn at a writer's workshop, but you're also going to do at a writer's workshop. You're going to be writing your book or editing your proposal or building your website. And you'll be doing it with the trainers of the workshop, looking over your shoulder, giving you feedback, encouraging you, challenging you. So it's a much more interactive experience. So what are the pros of a writer's workshop? Well, it's a smaller setting, so far less overwhelming. They tend to have fewer people at each event. Writers' workshops have perhaps the greatest immediate outcomes of any of the events on this list. So you leave the workshop with an edited manuscript, a built website, a ready proposal, or whatever. Workshops tend to be pretty focused on what you will get if you come to this workshop. They're a great balance between relaxing and overwhelming. So you're going to be challenged, but you're not going to be swamped or flooded. They're a great chance to connect with other authors who are in your same graduating class, so to speak. So this is where you make those long-term relationships, that author who's a beginner just like you or a journeyman just like you. The level of the author at the workshop depends on the level of the workshop. (laughs) So if it's a workshop on how to write a book, it'll attract a real basic kind of author. Whereas if it's a workshop on how to improve your author website, it will attract a more advanced author And if it's a workshop on how to optimize your ads on Facebook, then it will attract a very advanced author. So you'll be connecting with other authors at that specific level rather than connecting with industry professionals or agents or editors. So writers workshops are less overwhelming while still providing a great education. So what are the cons? A low production values. Workshops don't have fancy stages. <laughs> they don't have concerts built in. They don't have DJs like sometimes you'll see at a big room event. They're not a particularly great place to meet agents and editors. Occasionally, they will attend a writer's workshop you know, and hunt amongst the authors for potential clients. But agents and editors tend to be at the big room events or the multi-track conferences. And there's not a ton of industry professionals. So the networking possibilities, you have a chance to meet a lot of people at a writer's workshop that are at your same level and build deeper connections with them as you're giving each other feedback. It's a very intimate thing to let someone read your work in progress. But you're not making connections with people ahead of you or behind you on the publishing journey. Everyone tends to be on the same roller coaster. All right. The next kind of writer's event is a writer's retreat. So what makes a retreat special? Well, these are small gatherings, typically of around 12 authors, and they'll meet in a cabin, either in the mountains or by the beach. Sometimes you'll see bigger retreats where there's multiple cabins all at once, and they start to kind of take on the flavor of a multi-track conference. But most retreats are small. It's with a group of people that already know each other. Sometimes they're at a VRBO or Airbnb near a major airport, which I think is kind of sad. (laughs) I understand renting a house near a major airport is convenient for people flying in, but it's more fun if you go to the mountains or go to the beach or somewhere pretty 
you look out the window and be inspired. And unlike the earlier events, these are not focused on education. A writer's retreat is focused on action and or just relaxation. It's about fellowship. It's about writing. It's not about learning new things. So what are the pros? They're the most relaxing kind of event on this list. They're small and intimate. They're focused on fellowship, like I said. And you're probably going to have more fun writing at a writer's retreat than any other time you're writing. (laughs) These uh, retreats are meant to fill up your emotional bucket. So like a big room conference, the goal of a good writer's retreat is that you leave and on Monday morning, you're ready to get to work. You're fired up. You're excited. You've had some really energizing encounters with your book and with fellow authors. The cons of a writer's retreat is that you likely already know everyone at the retreat ahead of time. So this isn't a place to expand your social network. You're not meeting new authors, and you're certainly not meeting agents or editors or industry professionals. These aren't great places to learn, because typically people are either chit-chatting, you might learn some things during the chit-chat time, or you're writing, right? A big part of a writer's retreat is writing in a beautiful place with no distractions. So there's the chit-chat fellowship time, and then there's the sit-down, shut-up-and-write time, and you flip back and forth. That can be really good for helping you catch up on your word count, (laughs) but there's no agents or editors to network with. Bottom line, I will say I've never met someone who went to a writer's retreat who regretted it. Authors love going on writer's retreats. The biggest reason more people don't do it is that every author wants someone else to set one up. (laughs) So, because that's some work to find the cabin and to make the invitations and to find a time that works for everyone. And there's some cost there and scheduling and it's hassle. So somebody's got to do that hassle. And typically writer's retreats, everyone's just splitting the cost evenly. And so the person who did all the work to set it up doesn't really get compensated for their hard work. So if you went to a writer's retreat that was organized by a fellow author, buy her a box of chocolates, get her a spa, (laughs) send her a gift because it's work and it's often non-remuniated work. The next kind of writer's conference is a mastermind retreat. So mastermind retreats can get confused with writer's retreats because they're similar in some ways. They're small. 12 people, give or take, same kind of cabin by the beach or in the mountains or a house in the city. But unlike a writer's retreat, mastermind retreats are focused on education over action. So each mastermind brings their best ideas and they teach the other masterminds something that they know, something unique that they bring to the table. So some of the pros of a mastermind retreat is that they're small and intimate. You get exclusive training. So sometimes people will share you know, secrets that they've learned or techniques that they've learned with their masterminds that they won't teach anyone else. Mastermind retreats also often feature a hot seat, which is where you get to sit down in a chair in the middle of the room and talk about what you're doing and your challenges. And everyone will brainstorm ways of getting you unstuck or helping you achieve better success. I've seen unbelievable breakthroughs for authors with hot seats. I've seen books birthed. I've seen book series birthed. I've seen podcasts created that have gone on to get millions of downloads. The power of having 10 people put their brains together to solve your problems is really remarkable. (laughs) So like a writer's retreat, very deep networking, But going to the cons, very narrow networking. You already know everyone at the retreat. So this isn't where you're going to find an agent or an editor. 
Another con is that finding a good mastermind group is hard, and these tend to work best for authors who have already tasted success, because it's successful authors who want to learn from each other. Bottom line, if you're part of a mastermind group, attending a retreat is definitely worth it. And if you want to create a mastermind group, I have several episodes on how to do that and a course that walks you through how to create your own mastermind group, which we'll have links to in the show notes at authormedia.com slash 385. The seventh and final kind of author's event, writer's conference, if you will, is a fan convention. So what makes these special? Well, they're very different from the other ones on the list. These tend to have the highest number of people total, and they're focused on connecting authors and readers. They tend to have panels rather than presentations, and they're very big. (laughs) So they're kind of like multiple big room events all at the same time. So what are the pros? They're fun, especially if they are focused around a genre that you're really passionate about. There tend to be lots of panels. There's a great place to sell your books in person. There's a chance to connect with A-tier authors who wouldn't attend a multi-panel conference and may not even teach at a big room conference, but they will come to a fan convention because they want to interact with their fans. So what are the cons? They're most beneficial for authors with large followings. If you don't already have fans, going to a fan convention is just going to be you watching other authors interact with their fans and you feeling sad. (laughs) Unless you're there as a fan and then you can fangirl out and get as many autographs as you want. I'd say they're the least educational item on this list. You'll learn more at a writer's retreat chatting with other authors than you likely will at fan conventions. You'll still learn stuff. There will be panels and authors will answer questions from those panels. But the questions that those authors are being asked are fan questions, not fellow author questions. So lots of fluffy questions, the kinds of things a reader is interested in rather than the kinds of things that an author is interested in. Sure, you may get that one nugget that unlocks your writing, but you're probably the least likely to find that nugget at a fan convention. But the nuggets are there to find. Another con, at least from one perspective, is that they're more focused on the fan experience than on helping authors become better authors. And when it comes to attention and networking, they're great for that because there's a lot of A-list people there, but you're competing for attention, not just with best-selling authors, but with actors, comic book artists, film creators, producers, politicians, influencers, musicians, or religious leaders, depending on the convention. (laughs) So I don't know if any convention has all of those kinds of celebrities, but most of them will have other kinds of mega celebrities other than just authors. So it's really easy to feel like a small fish in a big pond. And there's very few agents or editors to network with at a fan con. They don't typically go to fan cons, but it does depend on the con, I will say, because there's a lot of variety. So if you're at Comic Con in San Diego, good luck finding a literary agent. (laughs) There might be one in the 50,000 people crowd, but you're not likely to bump into her. So bottom line, these are the least useful kind of event, especially for authors who are just getting started. But if you are a fan... They can be a lot of fun. And if you're really extroverted and good at networking, it is a chance to meet some of your heroes for the first time. But you may not be meeting them as a peer. If you're meeting them in the signature line, they're going to see you as a fan, which how you start a relationship can really influence how that relationship progresses. So keep that in mind. Now, as we talk about these different kinds of conventions, I will say that I am trying to create an entirely new category 
a writer's conference. I'm working on a conference that will be a cross between a big room event and a writer's workshop with elements of a mastermind retreat mixed in. And the other thing that will make it really unique is its focus on book promotion. So I don't know of an in-person writer's conference focused on book marketing. Most of them are focused on how to write a book or how to get published and not how to sell more copies. Almost all conferences will have some sessions on that, but they often are just scratching the surface. So that's right. The Novel Marketing Conference is actually going to happen. <laughs> so the dates are January 26th and 27th, 2024. We're going to put it on Kickstarter. So it's going to happen, assuming the Kickstarter funds. Uh, the registration, we're keeping small. It's 160 people. And for some comparison, Novel Marketing has twice that number of patrons. And part of the reason I'm keeping it small this first year is that because it's so experimental, I want to do it with a small enough group where I can meet everyone and <laughs> work on stuff. Now, if you're wondering if this is going to be like listening to a podcast live, it's going to be nothing like that. We're trying to create a completely new experience. So I know some podcasts will host an event where they'll record live episodes in front of a live studio audience. And that's great. And I may do that someday. But that's not what this conference is going to be. This conference is going to be super interactive and not recorded. It's not the kind of thing that's going to be easily recordable. So to learn more, wait till next week's episode. I'm going to have a whole episode going into this conference in more detail. And when next week's episode airs, the Kickstarter will be live. But if you want early access to the Kickstarter, I will email out to patrons ahead of time before I make the big announcement on the podcast next week. So if you're a patron, you'll get early access to the conference if you would like to sign up and get in before the tickets sell out. Speaking of patrons, our featured patron is Michelle Levine, author of Dancing on My Grave, Book and Mug Mysteries, number two. Becca Sheridan thought she knew what was up, but a series of mysterious events make her question everything. When her square dancing club is abruptly kicked out of their meeting place and her rival from middle school gets involved with Conrad, the guy that Becca's interested in, Becca is thrown into a tailspin. Conrad's strange behavior, his estranged relatives trying to take over the family business, the sudden death of his grandmother without a body to bury, and an uncle who vanishes all add to the confusion. But it's the discovery of a dead body in a nearby creek that makes Becca realize the truth is closer than she ever imagined. With the help of her friends from the book and mug coffee shop, Becca must piece together the clues and arrive at a shocking answer. If you enjoyed Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, you'll love this thrilling and romantic mystery filled with powerful emotions. And Michelle Levine, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you for your support, helping keep this podcast on the air. And who knows, perhaps I'll get a chance to meet you in person at the 2024 Novel Marketing Conference. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. Our audio engineering is by William Umstadt. The blog version of this episode is crafted by Shauna Lettler, and you can find that blog version of this episode at authormedia.com slash 385. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.